So tonight's reading is taken from Isaiah 9, verses 1 to 7. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep, deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdened them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Well, I remember when we were expecting a prince Prince William and Kate were coming to visit a charity that I was volunteering with when I was a curate, a trainee vicar uh, at KXC, which was a, a church that would help plant in London in King's Cross. And as a church, we shared office space uh, with a number of charities. A number of charities doing some amazing, incredible, inspiring things. Startups and pop-ups, freelancers, all sorts of creatives doing all sorts of stuff, filmmakers, people that were working with ex-offenders, people that were working with young people at risk of crime. And one of the charities that I was volunteering with had been noticed and noted for their amazing results. So they were working with um, people that were coming out of prison. They kind of surrounded them. They got um, on board with helping them kind of get involved in, back into society. They got them involved in the arts. They got them involved in acting, in theatre. They really surrounded them and did an amazing work. And, and the rates of the people uh, who were stopping reoffending was actually so great that it had caught uh, royal attention. So uh, Prince uh, William and Kate uh, were coming to visit our dirty, dated, scruffy office block in King's Cross. And I remember it because it was really interesting because the place that we lived uh, was, was pretty dark. It was pretty gloomy. Yes, it was creative and it was inspiring and it was an amazing place. But there was 14 brothels, I was told, from between my house and King's Cross Station. And we lived in King's Cross. There was issues of homelessness, uh, drug addiction, uh, gang activity. There was a whole lot of stuff happening. A little bit like what was described earlier, darkness, gloomy situation. It was pretty dark at times. Yet we were expecting a prince. Royalty was coming to our office block. And in this dated sort of 80s office block with six floors on, suddenly... There was transformation in the air. The uh, landlord, who actually didn't even live in this country, had heard that royalty was coming to his office block. And it was kind of derelict. It was kind of left, kind of just for these charities to go in. Um, suddenly, 
everywhere begin to smell of paint. And it was like, oh, well, this is quite nice, isn't it? It's like, oh, we're getting a new carpet, are we? This is lovely. Suddenly, the security guard who was on the door was kind of straightening his tie, and he was actually wearing a tie, which was a miracle. Um, and everybody was kind of cleaning their shoes, getting haircuts and stuff, and expecting royalty to come. Conversations like, I wonder whether we'll meet the prince. I wonder whether I'll get to shake his hand. I wonder if we'll become friends. You know, I wonder if you know, we, maybe we could exchange telephone numbers and so on. We'd be getting a bit carried away. And I remember as a church staff team, we took the executive decision to have our staff meeting right down next to the reception area, right where the prince was going to be arriving, just in case we could meet the prince. It was really interesting what this did, because suddenly there was a lot of chatter, suddenly there was a lot of banter, suddenly there was a lot of expectancy and excitement, suddenly there was a level of hope that actually the forgotten corner of London had been seen, had been noticed, that royalty was taking note and arriving. It was interesting what happened with this expectant arrival of a prince. I remember being in this little room and the kind of glass was frosted and the security there with all the kind of dogs and sweeping through the building and so on. And we were kind of peeping through this little frosty bit of glass with our mobile phones trying to get our camera kind of in there and kind of like, what kind of shoes is she wearing? What kind of dress? And all this stuff. And trying to capture this moment and own this moment. It was interesting because the promised arrival of the prince, the arrival in itself, brought a level of hope. Before the arrival, it brought hope. The arrival of the prince brought hope. And actually, after his left, After he left, what remained was, wow, we've been seen, we've been noticed, we have been acknowledged. It's really interesting when we come to look at this text, we see that Isaiah is kind of written this poem in a way he names and describes the context it is in. He talks about the gloom, he talks about the darkness, but he has this real expectancy of something changing. Somebody coming who is a prince, the prince of peace. And he carries hope in his heart in what is a dark, dark place. We see in verse 2 just here, the people were walking in darkness. Now, if you read the commentaries around this text, you see that what that actually means is that they were living lives that didn't honor God. They'd walked away from the things that they knew. They weren't just walking in darkness. They were walking in a way and a lifestyle that wasn't pleasing to God. Verse 3 said they were living in a land of deep darkness. Well, let's just see how actually how dark this actually was. Let's describe it. Let me just set the context for you. Because Judah, where they were, they were being attacked by northern neighboring areas. It was beginning dark. Northern neighboring villages were attacking them. They were feeling oppressed. They were living in darkness and fear. It was becoming very dark in where they were. The people had turned their backs on God. It was becoming increasingly gloomy and dark. It was a dark, dark, dark place. People were living in ruin and moral decay. It was a dark time, a dark place. But in the midst of all this darkness, there was hope. 
Because Isaiah had seen a light. A light had dawned. A light was shining. A light was promised. The people had seen a light and light was on the way. People who were once walking in darkness have now been promised a light. Let there be light. Isaiah says, two chapters back, and Dave's already said, 800 years before Jesus was prophesied, that Mary would have a child. He would be God with us. He would be Emmanuel, a light to us, a light shining in what is a dark, dark, dark time and dark situation. Now, maybe in their heads, they imagine Jesus coming, bringing a rule and a reign that kind of looked a bit different. Maybe like a military leader or a warrior that was going to do something by physical force. So maybe they had it wrong, but they expected a prince. They expected someone coming to bring change. The government was going to be on their shoulders. They were expecting the prince of peace. They were expecting Emmanuel, God with us. Commentaries explain the hope of this promised child. And the text, uh, as they look at it, it says where the emphasis actually falls. And commentaries say this. The emphasis falls not on what the child will do when he grows up, but on the mere fact of his birth. The fact that Jesus was going to be born, that was enough like, oh my gosh, God has forgotten about us. God sees us. He knows our situation. Help is on the way. A light is coming to the darkness. The Prince of Peace is coming to bring peace. And how much would they have loved and longed for that in a time where everything was kind of overshadowing? Darkness was creeping in. They were being attacked, oppressed. People had forgotten God. Oh my gosh, how hopeful that must have been in such a time. That light was on the way. Hope was on the way in the place of Jesus. How hopeful it is, even the fact of his name, Emmanuel, God with us. It's like, oh, I hear the name, Emmanuel, God with us. That's amazing. It's like you say the word Emmanuel and it's a whole sentence. You say the word Emmanuel and it's a whole understanding. You say the name of someone, it's like, oh yeah, I get it. Oh, it's not just a name. It's not just a person. It's a promise. It's a little bit like me saying, hey, have you met Barry the Great? Barry the Great, he sounds awesome. Yeah, I'd love to meet Barry the Great. Or it's a little bit like me saying, hey, have you met all-knowing Ailey? She is awesome. All-knowing Ailey, she sounds wonderful. It's like there's a clue in its name. He's God with us. Coming as close as flesh and blood. God with us. Emmanuel. He's the light of the world in a dark, dark place. What are we longing for? What are we hoping for? Maybe in your head, in your heart, it's like that thing of like, oh my gosh, I I need hope. I need there to be a bit of good news. I need to look forward to something because it's kind of a bit shadowy at the moment, a little bit dark for me. What are you looking forward to that God would bring hope in a dark situation to? Maybe you have a longing inside of you for change, to see change. Maybe it's not your situation. Maybe it's somebody else's. And you're like, Lord, 
I need there to be light in that situation because it feels very dark for them. Maybe you are going to be someone who's going to come and bring light to that situation. You're going to be someone who brings peace, who brings Jesus to them. Jesus is the light of the world, steps into our darkness. He even describes himself as the light of the world. In John 8, verse 12, he says, I am, I am. It's one of the I ams in in the, the Gospels. I am this, I am that. I am the light of the world. And the fuller version of it, it says that I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me, and then there's that phrase again, will not walk in darkness. You'll live a different way, a different lifestyle. You won't walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. In amongst all the chaos and oppression, all the darkness and gloom, there is life. There is light and light in darkness. Let's look at the text again and let's look at some of the describing words that Isaiah kind of pulls out. Because um, in verse 6, he goes on to say, wonderful counselor. Oh my gosh, how much do we need that at time? He's wonderful counselor. He's a wonderful counselor. He's the mighty God. He's the everlasting father. He is the prince of peace. Like the type of peace where your head is still racing and you don't understand it, but you've got this peace that surpasses all that. It's like a deep, centered, in your heart of hearts, in the core of your being, it makes no sense. But I'm experiencing peace at this moment. Believe that's who Jesus is, that he can speak peace to you, even when all around looks chaotic or waters are raging, he can speak peace in the midst of it. He's the Prince of Peace. You know, this isn't just like a little nice, oh, well, it's kind of a, it's nice thinking. It's a nice little thought. It's not light at the end of a tunnel. It's light in the middle of a tunnel. It's light to your feet, a lamp to your path. It's Jesus, the Spirit who guides and leads you. It's, it's the present help in times of difficulty. It's not just like, oh, it's going to be all right one day, you know, just kind of like, you know, put your head down, dig your, deals, dig your heels in it and, and just kind of get on with it. It's like, no, no, I'm with you. I am with you. I am God with you. I'm the light that will be with you in this time, in this moment, whatever situation you find yourself in. I'm sure you'll be aware of uh, the famous uh, picture painting, uh, painted by the artist William Holman Hunt. And he paints this picture that's called Jesus, the light of the world. It's an interesting picture. You see Jesus and, and you see the light that kind of goes around him. It's a little bit like, like a halo that's around him. And all the things that's on his shoulders is kind of lit up. It's kind of gold. It's sparkling. It's prince-like. But look in the background, you see darkness. On the edges, you see dark trees. On the edges, you see dark shadows. And actually, the door itself is covered in thorns and is covered in weeds. It's a door that's kind of been neglected. It's a door that actually doesn't look that appealing. Yet Jesus has crossed boundaries. He's crossed over. He's made a journey. He's come to this dark doorway. Notice as well the lamp as well, the light that he's carrying. A little bit further down in the painting, he's carrying this lamp. He's carrying the light. Like he's bringing light to whoever's door this is. He's bringing the light. He's carrying the light. He carries it. I know that in, in my life, in my, my situation, the things that I've experienced in my life, there's been moments where it's felt pretty dark. 
it's pre- felt pretty like that door that's kind of been covered in weeds, covered in thorns. It's a dark doorway. It's a dark night. There's shadows all around. And yet Jesus has come knocking on my door. Jesus has come with the light. He's come with hope. He's come as the Prince of Peace, as a, as a, as a mighty God, an everlasting Father, a wonderful counselor. He's come and brought himself to me. He stepped down into darkness. Often that's been through other people, people that have kind of stepped into my life and, and brought hope, carried the light for me and said, you, you maybe can't see your way out, but, but I know that God is with you in it. Let me, let me pray with you. Let me stand with you. Let me walk through this with you. You know, when uh, this painting was actually painted, the art critics uh, really went at William Hormel Hunt. Was like, they're like, oh, you know what? It, it's not really a great painting. Like, it's, the, you know, the, the door's kind of not very well detailed and so on. And it doesn't actually look great. It, it, it's not like, it's not this kind of big inviting doorway and so on. And, and Jesus is having to knock. You know, he, he, there's the handle, you know, there's not like an inviting handle and so on. And William Holman Hunt said, yeah, but, you know, I didn't want to paint a great, massive, big handle that was kind of there. The emphasis here is that Jesus is arriving and the handle's on the inside because it's us that opens the door to Jesus. He's never going to force his way. He's never going to barge the door down. He's never going to come and just invite himself in. He wants to be there. He wants to knock at the door of your heart as the light of the world, but he wants you to open the door. He wants you to let him in to your situation, to your family, to your friendships, to your relationships, to your workplaces. He wants you to invite him in, to shine the light, to illuminate the situation so you can see it through the eyes of Jesus. And when I was praying about this talk and just kind of listening to God, I I got this sense that, that, that Jesus wanted to come and actually come towards you just carefully, cautiously, not forcing his way. But the picture that I had was a picture of Jesus holding a candle. And he was kind of shielding the light. And for some, there was kind of a level of fear of, like, oh, the candle's gone out. There is no light. There is no hope for my situation. But Jesus was coming, and despite himself being the light of the world, he was bringing the hope. He was bringing the candle. But the amazing thing in the picture that I had was there's just a smile on Jesus' face, the hope that he had in his face, the hope that he carried for you and for your situation. And that he come, and as he, as he approached you, he kind of gave you the candle. He kind of passed this hope onto you, the light onto you. We know that he is the, the, the bringer of good news, the peace. He brings the light. He's the light of the world. But also as well, I just got this sense as well that God wants you to do that to others. Maybe you're here and you're like, you know what? I have been somebody that's experienced such joy or such healing or such restoration or such hope. I, I want to pass it on. We're blessed to be a blessing. We're healed to heal. We're restored to restore. We're redeemed to redeem. We're forgiven to forgive. Like God wants to inspire us to take this light, to take this hope to others as well. He wants to use us in this. He is the light of the world and he comes to us wherever we are in our dark situations or in our hopeful, hope-filled situations. Well, I was thinking about this and the painter is actually he's taken uh, he's making it a visual painting actually of an interpretation of revelation revelation uh, 3 verse 20 says this behold i stand at the door and knock if anyone hears my voice and opens the door i will come in and eat with them and dine with them it's an amazing picture and image if you invite him in 
And this actually wasn't written, and a lot of people take it as it, it's kind of, it's to people that don't believe in God, it's to the sort of unbelieving person. It was actually written for followers of Jesus, it was actually written for Christians, it was actually written for a church. It was saying to a church, if you hear me knocking and you let me in, I'm going to come and I'm going to dine with you. And there's a great invitation there, isn't there, for P's and G's? Amazing invitation to say, yes, God, I want to fling wide that door and I want to let you in, whatever that looks like. Bring the light. Bring it into me. Illuminate. Let us see the world how you see it. Let us see myself how you see it. Let us see those around how you see it. Come and dine with us. Come and eat with us. What an amazing, incredible invitation that is on offer there for us as individuals and as a church as well. Will you be somebody that will open the door to Jesus? Is he knocking on the door of your heart? What is he saying to you? What is he crying out to say? I want to spend time with you. Is your heart filled with thorns and fear and weeds? Are you in a dark place? Can you tonight have the courage and bravery to say, God, I hear you knocking. I want to allow you to come in and to dine with me, to eat with me to illuminate my life in a way that I've never seen before. He's got amazing things for you and for us as a church. The invitation is there.